Welcome back to the Walk the Word podcast with me, Pastor James, coming out of Sar Fellowship in the Kingdom of Bahrain. We are walking through God's Word one chapter a week, and today we get to Exodus 22. If you've ever listened to this podcast before, you know what I'm going to say now. If you've not read Exodus 22 in the recent past, go ahead, press pause, read it, and then we'll come back together as we seek to know and grow in the Word. So Exodus 22 picks up right where chapter 21 left off. We said that in chapter 20 we get the Ten Commandments and then for the next couple of chapters things are going to be explained and applied. And the Ten Commandments, these big foundational rules for living are going to be applied to very particular situations. So Exodus 22 Verse 1, if a man steals an ox or a sheep and he kills it or sells it, he shall repay five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. These first few verses, then 1 to 4 of Exodus 22, are talking about rules to do with stealing and thieves. Uh, We're kind of expanding on and applying the Eighth Commandment. They're really there as a very strong deterrent. Like, look, if you... Steal something, you've got to pay back four times, five times the value of what you've stolen. If you're caught stealing and you're killed, you're struck so that you die, uh, there should be no blood guilt for him. So if you're found breaking in and stealing at night and the owner of the house or the property strikes you down and you die, there will be no blood guilt for him. There's no punishment for that. But if you do it in the daytime, there will be punishment. And if you read around this, the idea is that during the day, there are a lot more people around. Help can easily be uh, called for. And this should be an even stronger deterrent to thieves uh, from stealing during the day. As we get on to verses 5 and 6, we see that the people, God's people, the nation of Israel at the time, are being taught to value and respect other people. This is verse 5. If a man causes a field or a vineyard to be grazed over, or lets his beast loose and it feeds in another man's field, he shall make restitution from the best in his own field and his own vineyard. If fire breaks out and catches in thorns and your neighbor loses property, possessions, If you started or caused the fire, you're going to need to pay back. So again, these are quite particular rules for a very agricultural culture in a particular place in a particular time. But the principle in play is that we are to value and respect other people, their property and their possessions. And then uh, between 7 and 13, we see rules for borrowing things and safekeeping of things. Uh, In verse 7, if you give to your neighbor money or goods to keep safe and they're stolen from the safekeeper, if the thief is found again, there's going to be double paid back. And if you can't find the thief, if the thief is not found, the owner of the house shall come near to God to show whether He has put his hand to the neighbor's property. So if you're looking after something for somebody and it is stolen or lost, if you find the thief, you know, he pays back and it's the whole thing's put to bed. If you can't find the thief, you have to go and swear before God that you've not stolen it because you were entrusted with somebody else's property and possessions. 
Reading verse 9, for every breach of trust, whether it is for an ox, a donkey, a sheep, a cloak, any kind of lost thing, of which one says this is it, the case of both parties shall come before God. The one whom God condemns shall pay double to his neighbor. So again, you know, these are particular rules in a particular place, in a particular time, but the principle is one of responsibility and respect. If we're looking after something for somebody, we take care of it as if it is our own. We respect other people and their property and their possessions. We see in verse 10, if a man gives to his neighbor a donkey or an ox or a sheep or any beast to keep safe and it dies or is injured or is driven away without anybody seeing it, an oath by the Lord shall be between them both to see you know, whether the looker after person is at fault here. The owner shall accept the oath and he shall not make restitution. If it's stolen from him, if you've not been taking care of other people's stuff, yes, then you're going to need to pay. If it's torn by beasts, let him bring it as evidence. Again, it's an agricultural, farming, shepherding culture, living in a place where there were wild beasts that would come and try and eat your sheep. So if something's been torn by beasts, if you've looked after an animal for a neighbor and it's been attacked by a wild animal, you need to as grim as it sounds, you need to bring some of it as evidence that, look, this happened. And if you can, as we read at the end of verse 13, you don't need to make restitution. You don't need to pay back what's you know, genuinely been an accident. The rest of the chapter talks about social justice, talks about um, relationships within the community. Verses 16 and 17 kind of reference back to the seventh commandment about adultery, sex outside of the marriage covenant. If a man seduces a virgin who is not betrothed and lies with her, he shall give the bride price for her and make her his wife. If her father utterly refuses to give her to him, he shall pay money equal to the bride price for virgins. So if two people who are unmarried decide to sleep together, the consequence of that is that there's now an obligation for them to get married. Uh, this is unpacked a little bit more uh, in books like Deuteronomy. And there's a great book called The Epic of Eden, a Christian entry into the Old Testament by Sandra Richter, uh, which talks around and about a lot of these things. So very, very simply, the consequence of two unmarried people sleeping together was that there's now a societal obligation for you to get married. We read in verse 17, if her father utterly refuses to give her to him, he shall pay money equal to the bride price for virgins. So two unmarried people if a man seduces a virgin and they sleep together, the societal expectation is that you're going to get married. If the lady's dad says, absolutely not, that guy is still required by law to pay the bride price, to give her family a financial gift as if they're going to get married. So again, it's the consequences of sleeping together outside of marriage are there really, really early in Scripture. Uh, then 18, 19, 20, go back to the first and second commandment. Uh, three things deserving of the death penalty in this place at this time. Sorceress, you shall not permit a sorceress to live. Whoever lies with an animal shall be put to death. Anybody having uh, sexual relations with an animal, whoever sacrifices to any god other than the Lord alone 
shall be devoted to destruction. So three things there that were worthy of the death penalty in this place at this time. Sorcery, sleeping with animals, and sacrificing to any other god. Verses 21 to 27, we see God's compassion for the underprivileged. In verse 21, you shall not wrong a sojourner or oppress him because you were just like that in Egypt. Treat those people who are temporarily living and working among you with respect and compassion because don't forget, never forget, you were just like that. We see, you shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. If you do and they cry out to me, I will hear it and my wrath will burn. Again, have compassion for the most vulnerable in the community. If you lend money to anybody who is poor, there's no interest to be charged. If you take the cloak in pledge, if you take it as like a security deposit, you're going to give it back before the end of the day. Because as we see, it's all that they've got to cover their body at night when it's cold. In what else are they going to sleep? Maybe your Bible says. Again, compassion, respect, understanding for the most vulnerable in the community. And then the other side of the coin, there's respect for those who are leading the community. In verse 28, you should not revile God, the ultimate leader of the community, nor curse a ruler of your people. You shall not delay to offer from the fullness of your harvest and from the outflow of your presses. The firstborn of your sons should be given to me. You shall do the same with your oxen and with your sheep. Seven days with its mother, the eighth day you give it to me. You shall be consecrated to me. Therefore, you shall not eat any flesh that is torn by beasts in the field. You shall throw it to the dogs. So we've got respect and compassion for the poorest and most vulnerable in the community. But we also respect those who are leading the community. We love all people regardless of their station in life and how we perceive that they can or can't help us, whether they can or can't help us or not. Don't revile God, the ultimate leader of the community, or a ruler of your people. Don't delay in bringing your tithes and your gifts and your offerings. Don't delay to offer from the fullness of your harvest and from the outflow of your presses. We give our best to God. We don't give him what's left over. Same with children. The firstborn of your sons you shall give to me. You dedicate them to the Lord. That has been talked about back in Exodus 13. Uh, we read, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and of beast, is mine. And then that last verse, 31, You shall be consecrated to me. You shall be holy. You shall be different. You shall be set apart from Everybody and anybody that lives around you and among you, you're going to be such a different group of people. As an example of this, you shall not eat any flesh that is torn by the beasts in the field. You shall throw it to the dogs. So these ceremonially and ritually unclean wild animals that have ripped up a sheep in the field, you're not going to eat whatever's left from that sheep. You're going to stay away from stuff that's been killed in an unclean way. It's still going to have blood in it. It doesn't jive with the rest of your ceremonial 
laws. And the point behind that, the, the, the bigger principle in play here is that God's people, and this is a principle that goes from them to us, God's people should be showing their inward holiness through their outward conduct. What they did and what we do on the outside should show what we believe and the condition of our spiritual life on the inside. So for them, it was wild animals have killed um, an animal or your animals. You're not going to take that home and eat it. You shall not eat any flesh that is torn by beasts in the field. For you and for me, we could come up with so many different examples of, of conduct, of behavior, actions and reactions that are just not appropriate now, given your inward condition. Again, we're showing our inward holiness through our outward conduct. And now for these people at this time, they were under the great burden of a law. And the law was there to show them, look, you're never going to be able to keep this. It's teaching that they need help. For you and for me, we're not under this tremendous burden of the law, so we're not legally obliged to do X, Y, and Z, but we're under grace. God has offered us freely the chance to be restored to right relationship with him through faith in Jesus, who died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And because we've not earned that, because it's a free gift of God's grace, we now want to live in a way that honors him and glorifies him. We now want to live in a way that shows our inward holiness through our outward conduct. Next week then, we'll get into Exodus 23. We're going to carry on right where this picks up. And we're also going to talk about Sabbaths, festivals, and we are uh, going to see the promise of a conquest. But until then, God bless.